This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer. And yes, it really is me. Does not sound like me, but it is me. Obviously, my throat is a little bit cranky, but the show must go on. And we are so excited today to speak with our guest, Michael D. Yeager. So let me tell you again, first of all, welcome, Michael. How are you doing? Doing so well. How are you doing? Oh, well, aside from the fact that I sound like, you know, I am a reject from, you know, the some some movie about, you know, uh, critters that you don't know how to speak. I don't know. You know, we're just we're just going to soldier on, as I said. So let me tell people a little bit about you and then we will jump into this. So Michael DeJager leads the customer management practices events business. Boy, that's a mouthful. The customer management practice or CMP for short focuses exclusively on customer contact, customer experience, design, and innovation topics. Michael is a seasoned event producer, project, and people manager with over 15 years of experience hosting domestic and international events across a wide variety of industries to include international trade, anti-corruption, commercial real estate, design, customer experience, and customer contact. His specialties include research, content creation, conference and event production, P&L ownership, event operations management, project management, people management, and public speaking. So again, Michael, welcome. Thank you so much, Seb. It's such a pleasure to be here. You know, we're going to have a great chat. It might end up being a little one-sided, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, So, you know, tell us a little bit about how it is that you got to where you are today. And how did you discover that, discover that this is your passion in life? That is a fantastic question. You know, I feel like events have kind of followed me around um, my whole life, whether I was a kid hosting a little air party okay. for um, friends and friends of parents and, and things like that, or 
being a part of a, a student organization when I was in sort of junior high and high school, events kind of always followed me around. Um, and I actually sort of cut my teeth in the events world um, with an organization I was a part of called Business Professionals of America when I was in high school. Um, I took on some leadership roles with that um, that uh, sort of student-led trade association. And that's when I really started getting exposed to sort of large-scale events. Um, they would have an annual conference every year that brought together about 5,000 students from across the U.S. to compete on a variety of sort of competitive event sort of um, events. And then um, there was sort of a leadership track there as well, which was particularly interesting um, for me. So I ran for an office and ended up serving as the national president of that organization my first year of college, which was wow. really fun. That involved traveling around, speaking at conferences, um, not necessarily the fanciest keynotes on the planet, but it was there was so much exposure there to um, sort of the magic of events and how it brings people together and for all sorts of different purposes, but always in really interesting and meaningful ways. I think about some of the, the most interesting connections I've made in my life and um, the events that either I've hosted or have attended have been like a solid backbone to that, um, which is really cool. I went to college in Denver and um, worked for a um, local trade association there that um, sort of acted as an international chamber of commerce called the World Trade Center Denver. Um, it's part of the World Trade Centers Association in New York. Um, I had fallen in love with New York when I was, um, I remember vividly a trip out here when I was 11 years old. So I knew that I wanted to move to New York at some point in my life. And um, that's what I ended up doing. After two or three years working um, on international trade and business events in Denver, I moved to to New York. And I looked at my like sort of dossier of skills. And it turns out events were the the common thread between sort of everything I had done in my life. So I had continued sort of pursuing those. We were doing international trade and sort of compliance events um, and variety of sort of annual member gatherings and nonprofit events with the trade association in Denver. When I moved to New York, one of the sort of paths that I chose was the conference production business. There's a, a variety of different conference houses and media companies that live in New York and produce events all over the U.S. and, of course, all over the world. So um, got exposed to commercial real estate out here for the first time, then went back to the international trade and anti-corruption uh, business event space. And about six years ago is when I landed at the customer management practice, which has been um, where I produced some design events specifically around experience design. Um, and design thinking, and then most recently moved into our customer contact and customer experience portfolio of events. Um, so yeah, events have interestingly sort of followed me around my entire career. And it's what I find is really interesting is there's an event for every sector, for every group of people. It doesn't matter how weird your personal interests might be. There's going to be an event community out there for you. I think there's very few things in life that are that transferable, which is really cool. Right. Um, yeah, I'd say that's, that's me in a nutshell. I love it. Okay, now I can't let it pass. Anti-corruption? <laughs> you knew I was going to ask, right? So what the heck? I know, right? So sort of a subset of a lot of the a, the international businesses events is where I started to get exposure to that. Um, so there's obviously a lot of different sort of trade compliance regulation that exists there. Mm -hmm. And sort of the banner as it relates to anti-corruption is the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which obviously we know of the F FCPA probably um, being in the U.S., 
Um, so it's all about not doing business with people that we as a country shouldn't be doing right. business with. Um, and the some of the events that I've done in the, the space were actually international events. So I was with the American Conference Institute at the time, um, which specializes in a variety of different sort of lawyer-y conferences. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lawyer-y background at all, but there was a lot of um, JDs that were actually right. the producers of the events there, given they were so technical. So I was definitely, I wouldn't say a duck out of water, but it was a very large learning curve to make sure that I was comfortable enough to um, produce on on that topic. It's very interesting in the event production world because I always feel like you know kind of enough to be dangerous. Like I know the right questions mm-hmm. to ask. And it's a skill set being able to pull sort of the key topics that people are really struggling mm-hmm. with out of um, once you have research calls and speaker calls with 20 or 30 peeps, right. you start to identify the trend lines in like what matters. And that could be in customer experience or it could be in the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act at the end of the day, which is quite interesting. Um, but a lot of the events that I produced at the American Conference Institute, they touched more of the anti-corruption space. We did a pharmaceutical and medical device compliance congress in Panama. It was probably Mm -hmm. one of the coolest events I think I ever hosted. And it got together all of the local sort of nonprofit associations from Latin America and South American and Central American countries um, where there's not a like bona fide FCPA, for example, that like stretches across Mm -hmm. all of the countries. They come together as a community, though, and agree on and So they kind of standards. have self-police. Exactly, right. They agree on standards that they, that they all believe collectively mm-hmm. make the most sense. And then that's sort of passed along across all of the countries as like, you know, here's the gold standard. Let's work towards this. Mm-hmm. Which I think it's really interesting when you don't have necessarily this right. big international gover- mm-hmm. governmental body to control or um, have sort of... Um, policy and procedure in place. Yeah, it's more of like a self-policing moment. Mm-hmm. And the collaboration around that was such an interesting opportunity, yeah. I thought. Like we we had simultaneous translation at this conference into Spanish and Portuguese. Mm-hmm. So we were going back and forth between mm-hmm. all, all sorts of different languages. We had the original author of the guidelines that they were they were releasing basically an update to the guidelines mm-hmm. at this event. So this oh. was the it was the forum for the launch of that. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to bring um all of those different parties together to have a really sort of meaningful dialogue on it. So it felt not just that, you know, it, of course, is that we were ACI similar to CMP does for-profit events. So there's sort of the profitability piece of all of our, all of the for-profit events businesses, of course, but it really felt like we were kind of making a difference, bringing these different parties together in a forum that perhaps they wouldn't otherwise mm-hmm. have um, in order to discuss uh, this topic. So really interesting, as weird and like sort of dry as anti-corruption seems from a distance. Oh, to me, it seems fascinating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Once you zoom in, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's that's really actually pretty interesting. And right. it's like how it's all put together is mm-hmm. quite interesting. I think for event professionals, you have to be curious, especially mm-hmm. if you're on the event production side, like mm-hmm. you need to be curious and interested to learn at all times because that's going to give you enough exposure to be able to produce a really right. good event in that mm-hmm. space. Right. You know, and and event management truly is a very specialized skill set. And yeah. you know, I've I've dabbled in it, you know, and, yeah. and and you know, you have to be very creative. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so you're using that side of your brain, which I'm not remembering which side that is right now, but you also <laughs> have to be really type A. You know, let's be honest about yeah. that. Because especially big events, I mean, I have broken down events into five minute increments, right? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. especially when you are 
you know, you've got big speakers, you've got all these moving targets. And so being ultra, ultra organized is something that you you have to be, but then you mix it with that creative side and it's it's really a lot of fun. It's true. It's like, it's kind of where the left and right brain connect in a lot of ways. I've never considered myself perhaps the most creative person around the block. But when I think about like the team members that I'm surrounded with, I think they add more of the creative juices mm-hmm. to the, to the rum punched, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, which is, and it, it really is cool then is you can see sort of the different pieces of the event come together and you're totally right. And that you need it like a nice double decker toolbox of mm-hmm. tools, different skill sets around mm-hmm. the table. Um, and a, a sort of killer events team really does have a little bit of this, a little bit of that mm-hmm. to get the right mix of skills around the table. And as, as events grow and sort of scale, it's also something you can never do alone. Um, so it's important to have a team around the table that really is this well-oiled machine, all contributing in their own mm-hmm. way, um, which is something that's really sort of magical to live and to mm-hmm. see. Right. Yeah. You know, any event that I've done, I always try and, and operate on what I call the hit by a bus theory. If something happened to me, could the event yeah. continue? Which exactly. means, you know, you 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 absolutely hit it on the head when you said it's it's the team. You know, you yeah. have to have team members who can step up and say, here's what's going to happen. Um, uh-huh. You know, and and um, and then again, you have to be organized, documented. You know, I learned the hard way to document things, yeah. um, you know, and yeah. and, you know, and because we've worked with a lot of different venues and I always tell people, you know, y'all need to understand the venue is in it to make money, but yeah. they're not in it to be really bad people. So, you know, so working with, say, hotel contracts and event, you know, they, they, they're, you know, they're not nonprofits. They're not doing yeah, this. They're running a business. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so, you know, we, we always have to keep that in mind when we're negotiating. I'm actually in the middle of a negotiating a contract right now for an event. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting because it's a give and take, um, you know, yeah. but it, it is, it's about, you know, having those team because the, the, the other thing that I think a lot of people forget is that venue then becomes part of that team. Yeah. Because if they're not going to cooperate, you're in big trouble. 100%. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. If the food quality is off at an event, Mm -hmm. it it falls back on you as the organizer. If there's like logistical issues Mm -hmm. with communication with, you know, a room set or a Mm -hmm. room transition. Yep. That comes back on you too. So it it is very important Mm -hmm. to view them as an extension of exactly who you are. Right. Right. So let's talk about the, the the big guy in the room. You know, prior to say February of 2020, yeah. everything was going merrily along, right? And then what do you mean? thud. <laughs> um, thud. So first of all, tell us about how you know what did you guys do the, yeah. the first you know little bit of time, and then we'll, we'll really get into detail about how things have morphed since then in the event world because it is a totally different world than it was in, say, January of 2020. Completely, completely agree with you. So my gosh, it was it was a wild adventure. So I, even looking back, I, when I was part of this trade associate, the, the student um, association, trade association, when I was in high school, we had a conference that was supposed to run in 2008, mm-hmm. um, 2009, actually, that was going to be in Texas. Lo and behold, the swine flu had broken out there Uh-oh. in 2009. So we ended up postponing mm-hmm. the event for one month. So mm-hmm. it was supposed to happen in June. We pushed it off to July. 
And we ended up being able to run it. The sort wow. of like epidemic, it wasn't a pandemic cell, so much smaller. It ended up sort of blowing over. So when the beginning of the pandemic was beginning to rumble, everyone was talking about, you know, like the coronavirus at that time. We do, hadn't even really branded it. Yeah, in, in December, was, we're whole, thinking, um... <laughs> Exactly right. So this is this is this isn't looking right. Mm-hmm. Um, so even in like January and February, we hosted an event in January. We had another event in February mm-hmm. um, before March 2020 mm-hmm. hit. And I remember when it was like really starting to brew. I was like, you know what? This is going to blow over. It'll just be another, you know, like another SARS, another. And it was only supposed to be two weeks. Remember that? But it said two weeks. Exactly. <laughs> right. That's what. That was the that was the rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And my gosh, it was nothing like we ever expected, um, for sure. And that's true, I think, for all of us, no matter what industry you were in. Our like priority one was okay, we have our our business is also broken up by sort of revenue cycles. So understanding the quarters in which we recognize revenue, um, making sure that the business is is healthy and um has strong cash flow, all of that jazz. So those were like pieces of our consideration as well. We ended up postponing a lot of the events until the fall. So mm-hmm. we took like basically March, April, May, and June events. Mm-hmm. And we and you just shoved them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Lifted and shift them to sort of August and forward. We ended up running um, a smaller hosted buyer event that we had in March, which went well, but we did it 100% virtually. And we not really tried that before, especially with that particular mm-hmm. format of event. And the as the weeks went on and two weeks became two months, um, it started to become really apparent that we're not going to be able to do these in person at all right. anymore. Um, and it's interesting because our as as the customer management practice, we're we have three different divisions. I'm the managing director of our events division. We have a research division that works on sort of syndicate, syndicated research for our primary markets. And then we have a digital division, um, CMP Digital, and the flagship of that is Customer Contact Week Digital, as, as my T-shirt uh, references. Customer Contact Week is our largest event, um, so we have our digital platform, which already ran pre-pandemic mm-hmm. virtual events. I'd say they were quite simple, mm-hmm. um, more like sort of streams of webinars where it's like you'd have access to a variety right. of different content, and then you could go so, back and watch the recordings and mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. So. When we were trying to run Customer Contact Week in 2020, um, we had postponed it until August. When we found out that you know this isn't really going to happen anymore, we've got to figure out a way to do it virtually. We tried to really think out of the box and like answer the question of how we create this like immersive and interactive digital experience mm-hmm. online that's more than you know just a little bit of content. Like, how can we meaningfully network on in a virtual setting? How can we? Uh, meaningfully connect buyers and sellers, our sponsors with pros- with prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we ended up doing, which was wild looking back to it, and I'm sure some of our team have like PTSD from all of the work that went into it. We did four weeks, three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We went live and built a studio, uh, TV studio in our office cool. um, in New York. So Tuesday through Thursday, we would go live midday, like essentially 11 to 2. Mm-hmm. We bookended that with like the main stage keynotes, which would take place in the studio proper. And then there was opportunities where folks would break out and they would go to small group discussions mm-hmm. or maybe there would be a workshop with a sponsor. Um, 
And we also had interactive environments where people could sort of more organically network, um, as well as sort of sponsor booths that were staffed during certain hours of the day. So it was quite the undertaking to pull off. And even one of the things that was probably the most startling is like how we take for granted the the engagement that you get on in in in-person events. You can build when you pass in the hall, you know, those type of things. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's hard to sort of similar to like losing the water cooler conversation Mm -hmm. and maybe a 100 percent remote work environment. Mm -hmm. Similarly, it's hard to get those like you know, just sort of happenstance conversations that where you meet the most interesting people at events. So I think we did our best looking at that to try to put something together that led everyone to water. We certainly couldn't make them drink at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. So the engagement that we got wasn't bad. Um, But my gosh, we we had hoped for so much more, I think. Um, But I I think it's an important lesson in so much as it's like you got to trial things out and you got to test things. And I'm really like looking back at, at that August 2020, that entire month, what we were able to pull off as a team was really, really cool and something that we were super proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something the market really needed at that time as mm-hmm. well. It's like that we, that we were starting to get through the darkest days of the pandemic right. then where it's like we've been holed up for months at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And there was not we really needed something. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So. It was really good. I think one of the challenges with all digital events is everyone comes to the table with a little bit of a different, unique value proposition Mm -hmm. of what they want out of the event. Maybe it's just this little bit of content, or maybe they're looking to meet someone really specific. And it's hard to deliver on those needs if the event is really large, Mm -hmm. I think, on a a virtual scale. Not that it's not difficult as well in person, but people are just more present when they're in person, of Mm -hmm. course. Um, than a virtual environment where you're continually competing with the next email that hits an email box or the right. next. We turn our box. cameras off, and are we even still there? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Who who actually knows? You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> I think that one of the the important things looking ahead about virtual events is that you have to be really specific with the intention that mm-hmm. you want out of that event, and I almost think there's like. The more specific that you can get, the more value it's going to be mm-hmm. um, for someone. The sort of general uh, blue skies, evergreen topics, they don't right. work as well there because mm-hmm. um, people are typically looking for quite specific outcomes mm-hmm. um, when it comes to a virtual event these days. Then looking at sort of the next steps, I guess, after the darkest days of the pandemic, the fir- we were one of the first to go back to um, live events. Um, so the first event that we did back live was in June 2021, okay. and it was uh, it was a bootstrapped version of its former self for sure. Um, and we, I would say that we really started to get back into the swing of things in the fall of 2021, mm-hmm. and that's when we started to see a, a little bit more of, uh, of the events bounce back. One thing that I will say that the most effective event format for us was our exchange business. So we have two different sort of key buckets of of event formats Mm -hmm. at at CMP events. One of them being conferences. So it's sort of what you would expect from a larger scale event in so much as a trade show, expo booths. And then we've got a main stage that's really pretty. And then a lot of different breakout content Mm -hmm. that we'll provide to people. Um, Anyone can uh, just pay to attend, buy a ticket to attend Mm -hmm. the event. Um, whether you're a buyer or a seller. And then, of course, we have sponsorships for our sellers in particular right. um, to get an expo booth, maybe sponsor a case study on mm-hmm. uh, at the event. Now, our exchange events, 
the model's a little bit different. It's a hosted buyer moment um, where we would typically cover travel um, expenses for qualified buyers um, that we identify specifically that need the solutions of our sellers. So a customer contact. So you're you're really matchmaking. Exactly, right. That's the sort of backbone of the event Mm -hmm. is meeting matchmaking where folks have the opportunity to sort of rank um, who they'd like to meet on both sides of the fence. Um, And then we also do a pretty in-depth profile of the attendees to understand, okay, in the next six to 12 months, maybe you need a new telephony solution for your Mm -hmm. contact center, for example. Well, fantastic. Here are the providers that we have on site that would be good for you to meet with. Um, and that was the most successful event format. I go back to it being really specific. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any other forum where buyers and sellers were able to really meet in a meaningful mm-hmm. way, other than it's like a prospective buyer sort of hitting the phones and being like, right. I like a meeting with this person, mm-hmm. this person, this person. So it was a very it was a very high value virtual event moment for us over the course of the pandemic. Because it provided an opportunity for, you know, a, a, someone who's sourcing a solution to meet with, say, five or 10 providers mm-hmm. over the course of maybe two right. days. Like, you didn't have to schedule those meetings yourself anymore. Those were already scheduled for mm-hmm. you uh, by our team. So that was like a super valuable format for us that sort of helped us weather through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Of course, like the hospitality industry generally was pretty much decimated mm-hmm. um, during especially 2020, the beginning of 2021. And I always viewed like the events businesses as sort of hospitality adjacent were affected, but not necessarily directly. Right. Um, in so much as we we do have backups in our pocket. Mm-hmm. We have our digital business for virtual mm-hmm. events. Mm-hmm. We transferred a lot of our in-person events into more sort of robust, interactive digital experiences. And then we also still have our research business um, as well. So we have a number of different revenue mm-hmm. streams that can kind of protect us during sort of the hurricane times of economic challenges or uh, the likes of a pandemic. But that one in particular was the, the it, it was a really fantastic one for us because we were able to offer some really, really mm-hmm. unique and powerful value at the right time, um, I think. Did so, you continue that or was that just kind of a one-off thing? It's interesting. The So the pendulum has a thousand percent swung and we've seen this even out of our digital events um, now as well as... We kind of burned that to the ground um, over the likes of a year and a half, maybe two years. So where all the engagement in the the digital events, 2020 and 2021, couldn't be bigger, we've seen that pendulum shift now back in 2022 and, and, and going into 2023. People are all in as it relates to engagement mm-hmm. at our in-person events. And we've been struggling to get as much engagement, even as specific as we want to get, out of the digital side of the business. Mm. Um, so the the virtual, our virtual exchange series, which was um, what was one of the sort of real survivor moments of the mm-hmm. pandemic and offered a lot of value. Those are, we're, we're back to in-person exchanges mm-hmm. now. So the hosted buyer environment, benchmarking, executive level um, sort of um, shtick in person now. But we, we even were trying to run them towards the beginning of 2022. And we just weren't getting the engagement out of them that we needed because people would rather actually come live in person right. for two or three days and do that matchmaking live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I went to my first conference in January you know, of this year mm-hmm. and hadn't been to one you know, since 2020. Went yeah. to PodFest, of course. You know, had to go to PodFest. And, <laughs> um, I love. And it was 
it, my, my first thought was, oh my God, there's a lot of people here because I went from nothing to, uh, you know, 1800, I think was about what they, and so, you know, shoulder yeah. to shoulder, you know, and, and all of those things, wow. but it was, it so freaked me out. I mean, it was just, you know, I'm very social, but I'm still like, this is way too people. <laughs> but, you know, to, the thing that, you know, and I loved online meeting. I mean, that's pretty much where mm-hmm. I do all my networking now. Obviously we, you know, we do that, the podcast this way, all sorts of things. But the energy of yeah. being in person, I think, was what made the difference. And as you said, it's those chance meetings. You know, like one of the things that they did was, uh, you know, we had an evening where, you know, there were things planned, but they said, mm-hmm. hey, you know, if you're interested in healthcare, we're going to kind of hold this little breakout session. And, yeah, yeah. you know, in, in my other life, I, I have uh, an initiative regarding cancer. And, yeah. you know, and, and t- so tying all of that together and I went to that and, oh my God, it was worth the price of me going and being too people just for that one hour session because, yeah. and I never, ever would have met any of those people if we hadn't been in person, um, yeah. you know, and, and so I think that was definitely the benefit of being back in person. Totally. I couldn't agree more. You know, and, and as it is. It's that energy, um, you know, and, yep. and but I love how you embraced what you did digitally for a while, um, because what I think we saw with so many things were people, they said, OK, we're just going to move it and do webinars. Right. We were used to webinars. You know, we've been doing right. webinars for as long as you know we, we, we've been able to do them. But there was, as you said, none of that human interaction. There right. was, you know, the speaker. There was the PowerPoint presentation. And, you know, it worked for a little bit, but mm-hmm. we had to have those small breakout sessions. We had to have all of those other things in mm-hmm. order for things to be successful. It's true. It's very, very true. Yeah. The it's, and it's just, it's so hard to recreate those mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I, I think that's a nut that none of us have really cracked. Right. And I don't know if it's crackable mm-hmm. either, you know, because yeah. to come back to your point, there's something about the energy that you get in a, in a room mm-hmm. um, that helps to be a catalyst for right. these just one-off little mm-hmm. connections. And a lot of times it's like we could produce the best content for an mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're totally right. And you know, that, that industry specific lunch that mm-hmm. I attended or industry specific round table, maybe it didn't even have a topic, right. but that it gathered the right people mm-hmm. there for you to make some really meaningful mm-hmm. connections and have like a really meaningful conversation. Right. Those are things that I think, event professionals can't plan, I think they can curate an environment that will deliver a higher propensity of those mm-hmm. style interactions. And that's something that I we always try to really intentionally build mm-hmm. into, especially the larger scale events mm-hmm. where it might be more difficult to find your people. Right. The, the hosted buyer events are, mm-hmm. we typically would have, you know, it, it's going to be no more than 100 people right. on site all mm-hmm. in. So it's a little easier to navigate that but when you're looking at maybe 3,000, a little over 3,000 people mm-hmm. like you'd see at CCW Las Vegas, we do need to try to architect some specific mm-hmm. moments where you can meet some of your people there. Right. Otherwise, you can kind of get, I always compare it to like being on a cruise ship. You mm-hmm. might meet someone once, mm-hmm. but you might not see him again for that Right, because it's so big. Mm-hmm. So big. So we want to make sure that any connections that you do make along the way are the most meaningful, the most targeted, mm-hmm. the most curated, doing our best um, to sort of achieve that. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah, and and we can, as you said, we can do some of that online. Um, yeah. We you know, we still do obviously a lot of things through C Suite Network. We do virtual because we're yeah. all around the world, so we have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, one of the there there are several where we do and, and we have breakout sessions. You know that's mm-hmm. great. And and I've met some really great people in those, but obviously it has to start out with a fairly small group. Yep. Otherwise, you know, the poor administrator is just going to go bananas. But you get assigned to the groups, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's you know okay. You know, I've been on ones where I knew nobody, and ones where I knew everybody in there, and then we just chatted. I mean, you know, all sorts yeah. of things. But mm-hmm. that's the tricky part about those. And if you allow people to select, which you can, I mean, you know, software, it's it's so interesting to see the evolution of software. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're on Zoom and right now I've got, yeah. I think, 10 different things on the side that I could add to my, yeah. I don't even know what these things, what's a happy face? What the heck is the happy face? Um, and those aren't, emo- these are applications that they've added. Yeah. That I can, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. But, um, you know, and, and so, you know, you can select to be in a group, but mm-hmm. You know, it's just it, it, it's it's not going to work. And you know, I think one of the things that that had people had floated that you know was was an option that and you know I'll be interested in you know what you say about this. We were going to have hybrid, right? Yeah. Did that ever really do anything? That's a great question. Um, if you had asked me a year or two ago, and wait, you know, Michael, what what's the what's the future of events? I would have been like, hybrid is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, because we thought that's we, great. You know, if you want to be there, yeah. you can. If you want to sit at home without shoes on, you can. That's my big thing. Exactly. I don't want to put shoes on. Um, I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally understand. So we we trialed quite a bit in this department back in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> I think the danger in hybrid events, especially when you're looking at something that's larger scale, is you're trying to be something for everyone and you end up being kind of nothing for no one, Mm -hmm. uh, which is so difficult. So one of the ways that we we tried to sort of blend and deliver a little bit of um, both was by having our main stage specifically streamed out mm-hmm. um, live. We just would do it via sort of YouTube. Um, sometimes we had bolted that and fed it through a virtual event platform. Mm-hmm. Sometimes maybe it was just public or it um, pushed through like YouTube live into a Zoom webinar. So it's like people could join. the um, And then we took questions from the online audience. We mm-hmm. would take questions from the room and then we would take questions from the online audience. And this is when... Um, it was a re- relatively small cohort of folks on site, and and most were were attending virtually. That we were able to do, but since people weren't as engaged on site when a virtual question came through, right? They all like of a sudden looked at to, their phone, and you know, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like people started to glaze over. I'm like, okay, well, we're trying to like level the playing field mm-hmm. here, make sure that you know people are being seen on their channel. Um, so that was, I would say it was fine. It could probably could have been better. The looking at like how we deliver the rest of the event, a hybrid workshop next to impossible to do well, mm-hmm. especially with the interactivity that you'd like to see. Right. A discussion group also next to impossible to do well because, and I talk about this even when we're in like a hybrid working environment. 
I prefer being all in a room or all on Zoom mm-hmm. because if we, regardless of the of the channel that you're in, you have a level playing field. Mm-hmm. When we start to have a few people virtual and a few people in the room, that is off kilter. Right. Um, so people can't meet each other at the same mm-hmm. level or feel that they can contribute on equal playing field then, which I think is inherently bad for the outcomes of a conversation Mm -hmm. like somebody's always going to feel a little bit left out in that environment um so what we ended up having to do as a team is we had a team of people that worked on what was going to be the virtual event and then we had a team of people that would be working on what would be the in-person event the crossover of that would be relatively low Um, we would only cross it over on the highest value opportunities like the main stage where it's like you could feel like you could have an eye Mm -hmm. into the event um similarly when it comes to like a sponsor we would need someone from a sponsor staffing and supporting virtually as well as them supporting the in-person event Mm -hmm. like exhibit booth for example Mm -hmm. so we would be asking the same mm-hmm. and um, events organizations tend to run pretty lean um, to hit the profitability that we mm-hmm. want. Um, and since events are so seasonal, it's not uncommon to have, you know, a small lean team that might be a bit overwhelmed in the last couple of months of a mm-hmm. campaign through the delivery of the event. And man, then they would take a moment of rest. Um, but we would need a dedicated team, both from our side as well as our sponsors mm-hmm. side to make sure that attendees were really engaged Um engage in a meaningful way. The second part, which was really sort of the the zinger of the entire production is the cost to do this well is very, very, very high. So Hmm. interesting because a lot of people just assume, hey, it's like Zoom. You just turn on the camera. It's very, very true. And I think what a lot of people don't consider is the AV requirements on site to do this Ah, well. mm -hmm. You need dedicated hard lines on absolutely Mm -hmm. anything that has a Zoom connection on it. Your tech has to be impeccable. Your tech has to be impeccable. You also need dedicated technical support on every single one of those rooms Mm -hmm. to make sure that if there is an issue, you've got someone there readily available Mm -hmm. who can triage it. Um, And... Uh, simply like even if you look at the main stage production you'll need someone who is pumping that out to a zoom and monitoring Mm -hmm. and staffing that so Mm -hmm. that's a unique staffing requirement um as well so between the sort of uh, i think a lot of event professionals at least the way we've looked at it is like sort of what's the cost value index Mm -hmm. on this it's like are are we are we able to deliver the level of value Mm -hmm. that we want and um to sort of rationalize the cost of what it'll take to get there. And we've never been in a position where we feel it's been worth it to continue mm-hmm. pursuing it. We'd rather do a digital event for the digital audience. Right. It's the either or. Mm-hmm. It's an either or. I think that's how you can deliver the most value mm-hmm. to folks. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it, I I love that, that it has come down to either or because you know, then we choose. And, and, you know, I like that concept of maybe, you know, the keynote where everybody can mm-hmm. do it. But, yeah. you know, it's 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 interesting because, you know, there's uh, a, you mentioned Denver and I hadn't caught this when I looked at your LinkedIn yeah. profile. I'm from Colorado. And oh, so nice. I actually still sit on the board of the uh, College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Colorado. Yeah. And so twice a year we meet and I pretty much do those via Zoom. That's mm-hmm. great. I'm not having to go back to Colorado for the weekend. You know, we're back enough as it is and, and all sorts of things. But, 
you know, so there's like five of us uh, usually that are zooming. Yeah. And so they've got, it's really funny. I mean, you know, they've shown pictures. So they've got the big screen with the PowerPoints and then our five pictures on the uh-huh. side. So that's always entertaining. You know, we're like, you, you got to pay attention to what you're doing, you know, no, no drifting off or scratching or doing those things because you're up on the big screen. Exactly. But, you know, then we've got this room of board members who, when they speak, you don't know who's talking. You know. you know, and, and, and so then, you know, we're in here typing, who's talking, what are they saying? Can, you know, we can't hear them. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of these various things. So it ends up being, you know, it's great in some ways, but in other ways, as you said, it is a logistical nightmare, um, you know, and, and so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a challenge. And I think good organizations are obviously figuring out how to do it and, yeah. um, you know, and, and are able to say, okay, you stand here when you speak, <laughs> Right. Or, you know, all of these various things. And, you know, we've done that at in-person events anyway. You know, don't ask a question until we get a microphone to you. you yeah. know, things just as simple as that. But, you know, it's it, it's it's interesting how tech is really evolving. I mean, like we said, you know, it's just incredible. And, um, and it had to do it overnight. I mean, that really yeah. was the thing. We were kind of, you know, well, we could do this. We, and it was like, oh, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Um, So what are some other tech things that you have seen both for in-person or virtual that have really jumped up in the last couple of years? It's a great question. Um, And it's it's really interesting. I think the events business as sort of an institution, and this doesn't matter if you do B2B or B2C events, um, if you do um, sort of nonprofit events, the... I think the tech for events has always been a bit lackluster, mm-hmm. genuinely. Avian production is one thing to make right. something that's really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much We out can there. do PowerPoint uh, slides, right? <laughs> exactly, right? Um, but when I think about like the internal technology for a company that produces events of various sizes, for it to be able to really effectively support the event, mm-hmm. it's it can be really, really difficult. Um, I was mentioning that events organizations run lean. A lot of times we're, we're working out of a bunch of Excel spreadsheets when, you know, we could be working out of a more, you know, sophisticated database. Right. But it's it kind of, if it's to, not broken, why fix it type of thing? Exactly. Right. So I think the mindset has, especially since the pandemic, it's, it's begin to begun to accelerate about the value that effective technology, mm-hmm. I think, can can add to events. Um, Post pandemic, we've definitely been prioritizing sort of our digital customer journey, knowing that all organizations really do need to be digital first, and that it, that includes all event interactions as well, making sure that that's a really integrated experience. I mean, we're the the business to business conference business in particular is one that still lives off of like telesales outbound. Mm -hmm. Like it's very vintage when it comes down to even the sales methodologies Mm -hmm. that we employ. So one of, and this is a platform that we installed um, shortly after the pandemic was it's, it's branded as an event experience ecosystem powers our website. It powers the event mobile app. Mm -hmm. um, And that experience is connected across our website. You get a, my account. Once you register, you can begin building your agenda um, I think probably the number one priority is to make sure that your tech stack from like a backbone perspective right. is as strong as possible. And now granted, we, we still have lots of integration challenges that every organization does where the silos of different technology struggle to interact the way that we want them to. And somebody's but like, I but I have a Mac. 
Great. Great. Fantastic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely that piece of like getting the underlying tech stack right for your organization, I think is really important. It's interesting. When I look at our conference business, that's one platform. When I look at our exchange business, the hosted buyer moment, that's a different platform. Um, we use Visibo for our, um, for our, our conferences. We use a platform called Eventsair for our, our um, exchanges. Both of them are their own sort of unique digital experience and mobile app. Um, Visibo is... It specializes more in this sort of sleek end-to-end experience, especially when it relates to like organizing large agendas or understanding and digesting a lot of sponsors, different filters, tags, things like that. And it's generally a very beautiful event ecosystem from a digital perspective. The event fair um, solution, one of the things that it's really specialized in is the platform for the one-to-one business meetings and matchmaking. It's sort of a semi-automated platform that helps to do a level of, of matchmaking for you uh, while also taking into consideration the specific meetings that people want on both sides mm-hmm. of, the, of, of the spectrum. That all manifests into a mobile app on site. So at any time, you can refresh your, your meetings agenda mm-hmm. and see the meetings that you have sort of mm-hmm. up next. And those platforms are both unique in so much as they don't deliver each other's value, which is okay. really interesting. Um, so we're kind of looking at a, a semi-unique tech stack depending on the format of event that we're delivering since similarly to us, we can't be everything to everyone. Neither can, you know, the, the technology platforms taking a step back about like some of the things that tech can really do for events and that we've, I think, started to dabble in, but we haven't really realize the maximum value from it. One is really the personalization that you can achieve, I would say, with um, with having the right customer data in the right place at the right time. It goes back to some of the failed integrations, I think, across like the end-to-end experience, maybe for our view of our customer. Um, but how cool would it be to be able to know enough about an attendee and know about their investment priorities to suggest sessions for them to attend. Or, my gosh, this is a hosted buyer event. We mm-hmm. know that you love a lemon drop. Right. There's going to be a lemon drop ready for you at the bar because we know, based on what you love online, you love a lemon drop. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bit of a, a blend between personalization and the power, I think, that generative AI is having right. on modern technology. Mm-hmm. It's like you could stack those on top of each other. Mm-hmm. What could we learn and know about our attendees and what we could what, what could we proactively deliver for them? Mm-hmm. When I think about the moments that I'm always the most excited about in events, it's when something unexpected wows me. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the moments I think that stick with me and last um, at events. It's not a few words from the keynote. Um, it's it's not necessarily, you know, the expo hall experience. It's the moments that stick out to me that were unique. And I think as organizers, um, there's you can have different moments like that that are happenstance across an event, of course, but we can be more intentional with that. Mm-hmm. My gosh, you could turn, you know, someone who likes CCW into someone who is in love with the brand. Right. They're gonna be really your best unique. ambassadors. Exactly, exactly. So delivering, I think, that personalization is really, really, really cool. Um and at a really large scale, I think generative AI could provide so many benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ways that I think about is live assistance during an event right. where 
I would love to have a like a chatbot solution that's actually really effective mm-hmm. and has a personality and can answer dynamic questions mm-hmm. about an event like when is XYZ speaking? Fantastic. XYZ is speaking in this room at mm-hmm. this time. We recommend that you go there. And oh, by the way, it's probably a good topic for you because you're also in healthcare mm-hmm. and the topic is aligned with your investment priorities. If we could connect all those historically disparate dots mm-hmm. on your map of like what's important to you at an event, there is we would be able to deliver value at an event that is at a whole other level. Right. So I think the bigger the event, the harder it is to mine the value mm-hmm. that you need as an individual out of it. And to be able to, with some automation, provide a path through that event that makes sense for someone, mm-hmm. that would be such a huge achievement for us right. as organizers. And to be able to do that at a, a personalized level, um, it takes a lot with the evolution of a program And that comes down to effectively tagging and having Mm up-to-date information across the entire platform. Mm -hmm. But that also needs to like, that's the X axis. The Y axis is knowing enough about our customers and being able to deliver the value for them at the right time. So Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to the future potential of events, that's the future, super hyper-personalization, whether it's powered by generative AI or not. And then as well as sort of a support solution for the event, that is automated and could deliver higher value, more personalized response and direction to how someone can garner value from an right. event. Right. I love this. You know, and, and, and I love the thought of AI. And I'm not, you know, I'm one of these people, I like AI. Um, I don't yeah. use it nearly as much as I should or could. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it, to me, it's so cool. So, you know, you were talking about, you know, the, the app. And and you yeah. know, PodFest was the first big thing that I had attended where we had an app. So that was great. And obviously, all of it is is geared towards how the person in, initially sets it up, you know, because yeah. we, we don't want to be too intrusive. So, exactly. you know, I could put in there, okay, here's my Facebook, here's my LinkedIn, here's, you know, so then it could start, you know, and if I thought, okay, Facebook is only personal, I don't want, you know, then I no. wouldn't link it in, right. um, you know, and obviously everybody's or should put in their LinkedIn, um, yeah. you know, and, and things like that. But, and I'm also a big person that you know, you put a little bit of your personal in LinkedIn yeah. so people get or to know you a little bit, right? But you know, so here I am at, at Podfest and they ran probably 10 concurrent sessions at a time. Mm-hmm. Now each one was broken out into say financial, technical, I mean all sorts of things. But I'd look at that schedule, whether it was the printed one, because then I could write on it, right? Or mm-hmm. you know, online. And after about three, I'd go, ah, (laughs) and, or I just would go, okay, I only care about the financial one. So that's all I'm going to go to. And then later on, somebody would say, oh my gosh, you missed X. Which is the worst thing to hear at an event. I know you're like, oh no, especially when they go, you're like, you're like, well, okay, can I watch the recording? Oh, you know, it was, you know, whatever. And, but, but yeah, so if AI could have gone in. And said, mm-hmm. okay, she cares about healthcare, even though it's not anywhere else in her thing. We're going to direct her to here, or more importantly, she needs to go talk to X person. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, you know, and, and again, some people are going to go, oh my God, that's intrusive. Fine. Then you have that option to turn that off. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You know, and, and so that's not a huge deal. But, but yeah, especially when you've got these large events, whether they're online or, or in person. 
they just get overwhelming. And, and so totally. if you can start tying in through um, you know, social, all of those various other things, then have AI start gleaning through, exactly. that's going to be where the value comes in. It's true. Yeah. And to your point, I, we rely a lot on what people are willing to give us. I think, mm -hmm. and we we don't want to be intrusive. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it, someone's profile on the app is mm -hmm. kind of limited to the information that they provide. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that, we, you can use generative AI to append industries on mm -hmm. everyone based on the company that they're coming from, right. mm -hmm. or append company size, mm -hmm. or make some conjectures on contact center size. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. For example, when I think about the different ways to, to convene crossroads of attendees at events, a lot of the things are actually, it's things that we can figure out on our own about any given person with a little bit of research. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, can we do that for our hosted buyer events for 50 peeps? Yes, absolutely. Sure. Easy peasy. Can we do it for a large scale of event of 3,000 people? Nope. We yeah, right now, that. no. But in a right year, now, no. who knows? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right now, um, we could really be investing in how to profile these mm -hmm. people in a way that still you could toggle on or off mm -hmm. your sort of run for us, run or stop sign. Mm -hmm. But um, we would have all the infrastructure there to really be able to suggest people for you mm -hmm. to meet. There's another event platform in the, when it comes to technology and networking, which is an interesting one. It's called Brella. <clears throat> um I have not used it specifically before, but I know people from our, our parent company have. And when I was talking about the different styles of events and the tech stacks that can effectively power them, this is another unique value proposition. The backbone of that piece of technology is the networking component. So umbrella-powered event, what it typically does is it has zones that might be a bunch of cocktail rounds that have numbers one through 20 at them. And there it's in a room. And the locus of the uh, technology is about you meet this person at this table at this time based on their profiles. Kind of a little speed can... dating type of thing. Exactly. It's 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 a it's a tech platform with the backbone being like a speed dating networking mm -hmm. moment, which is so interesting. What I haven't seen out there is a solution that does all of these things well right. at the end of the day either. So that's why we're always using different technologies mm -hmm. for different event formats to try to like hit that sweet spot mm -hmm. of the value that we need to deliver with that tech at the right time. And it's really interesting. Right. You know, and the cool thing about all of this is then it can continue. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the app that we use for PodFest, now I haven't gone back in recently, but I'm still getting pings from it. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, and, and so whether it's, you know, people are saying, hey, we're forming this small group or, hey, we're going to talk about doing this next year. Would you be interested? You know, all of those. But I yeah. have gone back in and searched for people who attended to mm -hmm. and to say, OK, hey, I'm doing this now. Would you be interested in it? I, you know, we were both at PodFest, didn't have a chance to chat with you, but, um, totally. you know, and and um, and, and you know, I'm, I'm planning to attend next year. So, you know, in about November. I'll start using it to, to network in advance, you know, which Absolutely. is what we do on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. But now we're going to use it because we know, okay, they have at least signed up for the app for mm -hmm. PodFest. So we know, hey, they're probably going to attend. Therefore, let's be talking to them in advance. And again, if you can use AI to start doing those matchmaking in advance, I mean, that's that's perfect. 
Hugely, hugely perfect. It's true. Another like tech piece that I think is a bit underutilized, especially at large events, is the power of like geolocation too. Mm -hmm. Understanding where you're at in Mm -hmm. an event venue. Um, This is another one where it's like most of these solutions are bolt-on add-ons to the sort of core solution Mm -hmm. that you might be using from a tech provider perspective. But like I think about, I'm sure Podfest had a level of booths or exhibits. How many exhibits were there? Uh, there really weren't as many as I was expecting. And um, so there were maybe 30 at the most. Okay, gotcha. Which is a reasonable amount right. to, mm-hmm. uh, that's a reasonable number to digest mm-hmm. and, and work through. Some of our um, smaller, even CCW events have sort of that 30 to like 50, mm-hmm. 60 booth range. Our large scale event in Vegas, it had 185 exhibit booths. I this went to year. CES one time. Okay, I'm st- I still have PTSD, right? PTSD, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. So the Consumer Electronics Show is no joke. And that, I mean, it's like trade show as trade show can be. Right. And But what it did was you met nobody. You exactly, know, it, right. Yeah, because you awful. were just like, I'm, yeah. I mean, it was so overwhelming that right. you you really did not meet anybody. Absolutely. And I, th- I so I think about even from an exhibits perspective, mm-hmm. it's like, how can we add more value there? Right. Um, obviously, with the hosted buyer events that mm-hmm. we have are very, very valuable because mm-hmm. it is doing a level of personalization right. for you. Yeah, you've got that, warm that leads that are coming out of that exactly. or even better. Exactly. And then I like the next layer of it is, OK, we have this profile based on what we know that you want or what who we know that you are. OK, well. Now you tell us, I'm looking for, you tell our generative AI chatbot, what, give me the top five providers for um, contact center as a service um, that I, that I should meet at this event. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Here are the top five Mm -hmm. providers. They specialize in your industry, by the way. And here is walking directions, Mm -hmm. waypoints in our exhibit hall. Yeah, because you're going to get lost otherwise, right? You're going to get lost otherwise, right. We recommend you go here, then here, then here. That's the most effective way Mm -hmm. to navigate this floor. How valuable is that? That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It would be so, so good. The reality is all of the nuts and bolts exist out there. It's really hard to put it all together Mm -hmm. in a a tech stack that's going Mm -hmm. to be able to deliver value consistently, Mm -hmm. I think, at this juncture. Right. Yeah, because as you mentioned, I mean, you start putting all that. That's that's a logistics issue from just the people who are going to coordinate it and manage it, manage it. Right. You know, because the worst thing is if, say, you send people to the wrong place, you know, and they're like, well, why am I going to use because then they're going on social. Don't do this. Don't do this. You know, so it's got to work perfect. Or yes, if not, yes, have indeed. fun. You know, hey, it's exactly. to the bar instead, but that was okay. <laughs> That's all right. If we don't have an answer for you, we'll just send you to the to the mm-hmm. bar. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's true. No good deed goes unpunished for mm-hmm. sure. We want to make sure that when we're whenever we decide to pull something off, we want it to be really. It, it's got to be delivered mm-hmm. at a high level. Right. It's got to be delivered at a high level. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, how many times now are we doing things? And like we said, we've now been doing this for several years, where we're doing you know online things. And mm-hmm. and we're like, they still haven't figured out how to run Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, and they're, they're the event manager. They still can't figure this out, really. You know, right. and, and um, but so you know, and, and and then you start thinking about other things. You know, you, you then you're not paying yeah. attention. You're you know, and, and right. so and and things happen, you know. Yeah. You know, it's just like your host has no voice, you know, things like that. <laughs> but um, you know, it, there are things that happen. And so of course the the plan is like I was saying at the very very start, you have backup plans. 
You know, okay, so if this doesn't work, here's what we're going to do. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. maybe our tech isn't going to work to broadcast. So we're going to have somebody with their smartphones that are going to record it. And then we're going to, you know, so it'll go out, you know, several days late, but people will still get the, you know, the the video, you know, all of those things. So it's, you can do this folks, but you know, it, it is confusing. And, you know, and, and so tell us a little bit more about exactly what customer management practice does and what are the services that you provide? Absolutely. Um, so the yeah, mission, I got a segue uh, down. You can tell this. I've done this before, right? Certainly. So I love it. Um, <clears throat> at a high level of customer management practice, um, the backbone of our portfolio is Customer Contact Week currently. Mm-hmm. Um, the event's been around since 1999. Um, so it was founded in 1999 by a bunch of call center managers who were trying to benchmark and learn mm-hmm. a little bit more. And 25, we celebrated 25 years this year, which is super exciting. <clears throat> and now it's this super large scale event property that is one of the industry leading events for customer contact executives, whether you're looking to network and benchmark or to source new solutions um, for your contact center and customer service operation. Our business unit, I had mentioned sort of our events, research, and digital businesses. Those are sort of the, the three legs of our stool at CMP, all with a shared mission of serving people who have customers, <laughs> which is most of us in some way, shape, or form, whether you're B2B, B2C, whatever industry you're in. Um, we feel we can offer you value about how you can take your customer experience to the next level. That might be how the customer experience is designed on the front end. It could be the data and analytics and the, the people are crunching the numbers um, over the entire picture, or it could be the customer service experience, which is often owned by the contact center. Um, but we, we sort of view all of this as different pieces of the customer life cycle. Our events business delivers primarily in-person events. Um, <clears throat> to help connect people in a variety of different ways. We have our conference business and our exchanges, different event formats for different folks and depending on their priorities. We have our digital business, which is primarily a lead generation source for a lot of our key partners and sponsors that also um, partner on the live events. The the format there is online events, webinars, white papers, um, thought leadership, and a variety of sort of editorial news content for the content for the customer contact and CX space. Um, all of those sort of opportunities are folks where, where buyers could attend or subscribers can attend free of charge, no cost for them. Um, and then sponsors deliver a variety of content. We deliver original content as well. Then our research business is primarily focused on the customer contact space right now, but the re- research and advisory services business is looking primarily at the cu- our customer contact audience and seeing what unique research-based value similar to a gardener or forester can deliver for them, very specific for the customer contact space. So right now, one of the primary products out there from our research division is all about how to engage and retain agents in the contact center in a hybrid world and the various personas of agents and how they should be managed and treated differently and uniquely to engage them effectively across hybrid and remote working environments. So each of the sort of three pieces of our our business, events, digital, and research, they each contribute in their own way to our overarching mission of helping turn customers into really raving fans of your brand. Um, and we're we're here to give you the, the toolbox of how to do that. Perfect. So how do they find you? So customermanagementpractice.com is a great place to start. That's sort of the, the um, main point that will pull you to different pieces of the business. Um, for our digital business, it's ccwdigital.com, Customer Contact Week Digital. Um, and then 
Uh, you can always find us on customercontactweek.com as well. That's our CCW Las Vegas website. And they're all different pieces of business sort of convened there. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. It's just my name, Michael Dieger. Um, would love to connect with you all there. Perfect. I love it. Well, this has been absolutely fascinating because like I said, I do events um, to a much smaller scale. And yeah, here's the weird thing. I do dog shows. I, I manage dogs. Oh, you, know, you talk about when you were talking about niches, you know, and, yeah, and exactly. yeah. so, um, yeah, there are, there are events for everything. So, you know, Michael, this really has been so much fun. And, you know, I would love to have you on again when technology changes and evolves again to yeah. talk about more things. So we will definitely plan on that. But until then, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? Yeah. Um, I think that the, especially with the pandemic, we always, we've talked about digital interactions. It's all digital. It's all in person. The reality is no matter how events are delivered or events are definitely sort of here to stay, they're not going anywhere. And the engagement that we've seen in our events since the pandemic has been at an all time high. And I'm not even talking about like in numbers, which is also quite true. But in the engagement, like people want to be there, which is so exciting. So in terms of like a final thought, I think the we should never undervalue human connection at these events and those happenstance meetings. Never take those for granted. My gosh, I feel like we felt that during the pandemic where, wow, we really did take those moments for granted. So as you engage in events, look for those moments that are are sort of a wow for you and and I hope some of those wow moments have to do with the one-to-one human connections that you make and never undervalue that. I love it. So much fun. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a fascinating discussion with Michael DeJager of the customer management practice. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.